back into it. I'm excited about this. Let's go to Genesis 24 today. Genesis 24. Uh, we're on genetics, probably part four or something like that. Uh, go back and get the old tapes on this from the bookstore afterwards. I talked a lot about DNA, genetics, DNA being information and <clears throat> how the blood of Jesus can override any bad DNA, amen, make us a new creature, because if any man be in Christ, they are a new creation, old things are passed away, so we talked about how uh, we are no longer under the excuse of, that's just who I am, so I'm going to be a certain way, because after all, that's just who I am, amen, that's just my personality, well, when we get born again, we now have the opportunity, in fact, one of the youth quoted the passage over in uh, Galatians 5, we have the opportunity to operate now in the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. We have the opportunity to have a different personality. We don't have to be an angry person or a temperamental person. We, we don't have to be a person that lacks gentleness. Uh, I like this one. We don't have to be a person that lacks joy. Amen. How many know believers are supposed to have joy? Amen. The word of God says it is the joy of the Lord, Nehemiah, that is our strength, right? So we can override any genetics, anything that was in our flesh. The Bible says, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. But thank God for the blood of Jesus that overrides all of my no good things. Amen. So that's just a precursor, but you'll have to go back and listen to those lessons. I want to take you deeper in genetics today, though, at a, at a different wavelength, and I know it'll bless you if you'll stay with me. Genesis 24, uh, and I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Then we're going to go to 1 Chronicles 29, and I promise you there's a reason behind it. But Genesis 24 and 1, Abraham was now a very old man, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. Before we even read any further, this ain't my subject today, but how many people in here want that testimony? Amen. One day, man, that you, you really genuinely say, man, the Lord has blessed me in every way. Amen. In fact, go ahead and be prophetic right now and just put it in the atmosphere. Somebody say, the Lord has blessed me in every way. Comprehensive Christian. Financially, I'm blessed. Come on. In my marriage, I'm blessed. In my parenting, I'm blessed. On my job. How many people want to go to a job you actually like working? Amen. No blue Mondays. Wednesday is no longer hump day. My God, every day is the day that the Lord has made. And we will do what? Rejoice. We're going to be happy. It's okay to look forward to Friday, but it's a whole other thing when you can say every day is just like Friday. What a blessing to live this lifestyle. So that's, that's what happens, Mel, to Brother Abraham. The Lord had blessed him in every way, and we'll give you our subject. But one day Abraham said to his older servant, this was one of the servants of his house, the man in charge of his household, take an oath, putting your hand under my thigh. Swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, listen to this church, that you will not allow my son, my son, to marry one of these local Canaanite women. Keep reading. Go instead to my homeland, to my relatives, and find a wife there for my son Isaac. She should not marry a foreign woman. This has nothing to do with interracial relationships, for the record. Uh, in their case, it had everything to do 
with the people of God and their pedigree versus the Canaanite folk who were of a tribe that at that time would have been ungodly. So God says through Abraham, make sure that he does not marry one of these local Canaanite women. Go and get him a woman of his type, a woman of his tribe. What would that look like for us today? I want to provide clarity. Yep, you, you can be an African-American and marry a Caucasian individual, vice versa. You can be Latino, amen, and marry someone of Asian descent. Nothing wrong with that. But for my single brothers and sisters, you ought to be marrying a fellow believer. I mean, where do you get off making a choice to marry a Muslim when you've been blood-bought? Have they been born again? Are they going to carry the same value? You can get mad at me in the beginning if you want to, but I'm still going to preach it. Are they going to carry the same value system as you? You better believe they won't be. In fact, the Quran tells a Muslim man that if his wife gets out of line, he can tap her mildly. Like a mule, which literally means he can beat her like a mule. Now, how many women in here would go for that? Somebody said, absolutely not. And I couldn't blame you. Amen. I pray that Lauren has enough sense not to marry a Muslim. Because I clear the first time I hear. He'll be saying, Papa, Dad, I just, you know, I got a little beside myself. I know you did. Pow! <laughs> You'll just be limping for a while. Just, it, it'll heal. I didn't say I'd kill him, but you, you'll heal. It's, you probably won't have any cartilage in your knees the rest of your life, but that's all right. I just want you to remember, anytime you get ready to hit my daughter again, what happened last time? Somebody say amen. 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 Then I'd take them to the hospital. I'd wrap it up in ace and gauze, and I'd tell the doctor it was an error. It was a mistake. We were cleaning guns. But I want him to get better. Amen. Visitors, come back next week. I don't say stuff like that every week. I, but, yeah, I would hurt somebody really good <laughs> they hurt my daughter. Amen. So he tells them, he tells them where to get their wives from. Pastor Gabe, give us the subject. I will. Go to First Chronicles 29, 1 through 5. You're going to love this message today. Notice the dad is intricately involved in his son's decisions. Everybody say genetics. Yeah, we're going to talk family systems today. Look over at 1 Chronicles 29, 1 through 5. I love it, love it, love it. Mm. 1 Chronicles, Old Testament, 29, 1 through 5. Then King David turned to the entire assembly and said, My son, everybody say, My son. My son, my son Solomon. Here goes another dad involved in his child's affairs. Now, Solomon's an adult by now, but my son Solomon, uh, whom God has clearly chosen as the next king of Israel. Interesting. Your son is going to do the exact same thing you did, David? Is still young, though, and inexperienced. Fathers, how many of you know, while your sons are young and inexperienced, you have to appropriate experience in their life. That's right. So he's still young and inexperienced. The work ahead of him is enormous. For the temple he will build is not for mortals. It's for the Lord God himself. Listen to what David does to set his son up. 
using every resource that I have at my command. I've gathered as much as I could for building the temple of my God. Now, there is enough gold, silver, bronze, iron, and wood, as well as great quantities of onyx, other precious stones, costly jewels, excuse me, and all kinds of fine stone and marble. And now, because of my devotion to the temple of my God, listen to what Dad says. I'm giving all of my own private treasures of gold and silver to help in the construction. This is in addition to the building material I've already collected for his holy temple. I am donating more than 112 tons of gold from Ophar and 262 tons of refined silver to be used for overlaying the walls of the building and for the other gold and silver work to be done by the craftsmen. Then he turns to the people and says, now then, who will follow my example and give an offering for the Lord today? All of this done, yes, for God, but to set his son up. He was setting his son up. Today I want to talk from this subject and listen to the order of the words, because I don't want you to think about a famous group by whom I pray you don't listen to. I want to talk today from the thought, your child's destiny. Your child's destiny. You could also say your child's purpose. Now, in both of these texts, we see fathers setting their respective sons up, determining their destiny and giving them resources to get it done. Now, I'm just in the introduction, but I'm going to say this and I'm going to say it with grace, but you need to hear it so we can do better in the future. One of the reasons why we have so many misguided people is because the direction of a father is absent. I'm just telling you that. Off gate. It's a cultural variable, but it transcends culture. One of the reasons why we have so many misguided people who don't know their purpose, don't know what they should be doing, just lost, is because through the course of their life, they were not shaped by a good, watch this, father and mom. How many know moms matter? Now, lest I depress you, because that is not my goal. This is actually a message of inspiration to build you up. Uh, If you are in here and you did not have a dad, you did not have that person standing in the gap. We have some tremendous leaders, namely our sweet first lady who, who came up. Dad died at the tender age of 15 in her life and just did not have Uh, That ongoing fathering, she's not ashamed of that. Her and her four sisters were raised by her mom. They came through poverty. Uh, She tells me the stories of how they had to borrow water pots from neighbors. Uh, She tells me the story, may I share there, of how they would have to take extension cords sometimes because their power was out and plug it into a neighbor's house to make the power go. Because at the end of the day, church, please understand, it is the job of dads to provide. You see, these sweet ladies, they were never meant to carry the load. In fact, the Bible even declares it. It doesn't mean that they are inferior, but the Bible declares that our ladies are the weaker vessel. So we should deal with them according to knowledge and not put so much on their shoulders. You follow me? The absence of a good dad. So... 
I wanted to say that in grace because don't turn there, but put it in your notes because I want to get ahead of the devil. I don't want him to offend you. I don't want him to make something I say be offensive. I want to get ahead of him so you listen to the main ingredients of the message. If you came up with a single parent or no parents at all, auntie and uncle raised you, grandparents raised you, a foster parent raised you, it doesn't matter. I'm so glad that Psalm 68 and 5 says it best, that he would be a father to the fatherless. Somebody say that's good news. Man, even for my single moms in this ministry right now, who I see do such a good job. Many of their babies were up there singing. They work so hard. They, they, you know, they, they have no problem giving of their own, right? The good news for them is, is their sweet daughters and sons, guess what? They will still grow up and be college professors, uh, physicians, great business owners like Brother Justin. They, they'll be awesome football players. They still will be awesome. And the key ingredient to this is for you, single mom, or both parents to know your child's destiny. Yeah, that's so good. For you to know how to get your child where they're supposed to be. We're going to get to these points later on, but I'm going to give you this for free. How about if your child is a math and science kid, Stop trying to make them be a great artist. They're not artistic. They can't draw. Contrary to popular belief, there are some things we cannot do. You know, you all know the story. I, I enjoy going to the Super Bowl. So the other week when we was down there at the Super Bowl and I watched old Tom Brady bring that team back in the second half. Now, I just said to myself, now that fellow was made for this. And I also my next statement was I could have never done that. No way. I don't have the height. I don't have the arm strength. Come on. I would have got booed. I would have. I just, I can't do that. Amen. And it's okay. But I guarantee if you came to church on the day and you put old Tom up to preach, you'd be glad he came, but you'd be like, okay, pastor, that was good for a Sunday, but you get it back next week, okay? Because we like to get the word on some. That's cool and all, but give us the word on Sunday, okay? We watch football in the afternoon, and I don't know if Tom can preach or not. <laughs> Are you with me? So help your child get where they're supposed to get. Write this down. <clears throat> Everyone talks about prosperity, but don't forget posterity. Prosperity, yes, financial gain. Yup, build the biggest house you can if that's what you enjoy. You know, as long as you're a giver and you love God and you do things right, live in a gated community, if that's what you can afford and that's what you enjoy, I have no problem with it. Put a movie theater in your house, you know, do all that kind of stuff and then just enjoy it. Second Timothy 6 and 17 says it best. He says he gives us all things to enjoy. That's prosperity. But a whole lot of people leave out posterity. And what is posterity, pastor? Past posterity is simply your descendants that characterize your legacy. You see, your descendants that characterize your legacy is a powerful statement because you are not great just because you are a great man. 
You are great because of the people you will one day leave behind. Being able to carry the baton and do the exact same thing you were doing in a way, in a fashion that was even at a greater level. Your posterity. I'm just in the introduction, but make no mistake, should the Lord delay his coming one day when Pastor Gabe, you know, is 110, you know, and ready to go to heaven? You follow me? I'll be ready then. I'll be like, okay, God, it's been good. It's, it's been great. Amen. You okay if I close my eyes tonight? Because this is wonderful, but ready to go now. It's been wonderful. Amen. No, I fully expect one of these fellas right here. To get up that Tuesday or Thursday afternoon, officiate and preach. And the next week, unlock the doors of the church, which by that time will be this great epicenter. (laughs) And carry on. For they are my posterity. Your child's destiny is not just upon them to figure out what they're supposed to be doing. For my young people in the ministry right now, let me give you a hint. What you are supposed to be doing is somewhat locked into what your daddy is doing, especially if he's successful. We have a young man at this church right now, and he doesn't mind me sharing, Brother Reggie, at University of North Carolina on full scholarship. Glad for him. <laughs> goes to this ministry at Charlotte. Well, when I sat down with his parents, I thought this was an interesting phenomenon. Had his parents over for dinner that we want you to take care of our son. Have no problem with that. You better believe it. And, and how many know Reggie is easy to take care of? It's good when you got some college students that say, like, I don't have to text Reggie and say, what are you doing tonight? All right, where you at now? You had to do that to folk who are either babes in Christ or they hadn't been born again. Well, I thank God for you, Reggie. Keep being the light. Okay? But this, I want to use him as an example, and we're going to go further in the word of God here. But when I sat down with his dad, I said, so, Dad, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm in engineering, IT, that, that whole arena. What is it, Reggie? Data warehousing and all that kind of good stuff. All that, all that kind of technical type of stuff. Right? When I got through talking to Reggie about his path and what he thinking about doing, you think he might be in the same domain? And he is. Dad owns a business or or has done some consulting, all that kind of good stuff. Well, y'all, he is following the same footsteps. But why? Because his dad tailored that into him. Number one, we're talking genetics. It was a part of his genes. He took a liking to it because his dad's DNA is inside of him. Therefore, he has a hunger for the same types of things. Your child's destiny is locked up in you. Now, write this down. Purpose and destiny was always supposed to outlive you. You see, you have a purpose. There's a plan of God for your life, but God never allows his purpose and plan to start and finish with one man, one woman. No, 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 no. He invests a lot in you, but y'all, when you are out of here, somebody like you should be doing the exact same thing at a greater level. Let's go to 2 Samuel 7 and 8. 
And they're going to be doing it because they're sharing your DNA. But watch this, because you have shaped them. You have taught them. You have fed them. You you've groomed them. I, I love when my kids go bang on the piano. Let them do it because they want to play the piano just like their dad. You're grooming that. When my wife takes little Lauren in the kitchen and, and they do domestic stuff or they do other things. My wife is a tremendous uh, artist herself. She draws and things of that nature. Well, when Gabe is, is prone to wanting to draw and use his markers and things like that, he's got hands just like his mom, but we're just like her dad, who was a master builder, could build a house from the ground up. So that's what's in them. That's the talent. That's the DNA. That's what God has deposited in them. Now, she and I have a responsibility to take all those gifts and talents and deposit them in our children. Does this make any sense? Let's go over to 2 Samuel 7 and 8. I'm so glad to be at a good church to where I don't have to preach about money every week. Amen. How many of you know if you get in God's plan, you'll get money? (laughs) 2 Samuel 7 and 8. Now, therefore... Somebody say, my purpose should outlive me. Listen to what Brother David says, 2 Samuel 7 and 8. Now, therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, I like this, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people Israel. Pause right there. (laughs) How do you know God knows how to take you from the sheep's mess to the palace? Glory to God. I mean, though your beginnings be small, your latter end can be great. God knows how to take you from nothing to something. Glory to God. God knows how to take you from poverty and raise you up to be an awesome man, woman of God, a warrior in the kingdom of God. All I'm trying to say is there's a few of us in here who weren't born with a silver spoon in our mouth, but thank God for the grace of God that knows how to reach way down and lift us out of the pit and get us where we should be. Is that not good news, Seku? Don't turn there, but that's why I love Acts 10 and 34. God is no respecter of persons. Man, he'll use anybody that's willing to be used. Turn your life upside down. But let's read further to get the point. Verse number nine. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I've cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make you a great name like the names of the great men who are on earth. I will also appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may live in their own place and be not disturbed again, nor will wicked afflict them any more as it used to do, which is what formerly means. Even from the day, verse 11, that I commanded judges to be over my people, book of Judges, Israel, I will give you rest from all your enemies. Somebody shout about that. Anybody excited about that day when all, all the enemies going to have to hush? He'll give you rest from the enemies to, to pro-life. Come on. He'll give you rest from certain enemies. And in fact, God knows how to allow certain things temporarily. But if you stay with God at a certain point, he's going to shut the lion's mouth. And that's what happens in this text. I'm just feeding you as we go. The Lord also declares to you, the Lord will make a house for you. But this is where I want to get, church. 
Your purpose should outlive you. Verse 12, when your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, David, when you die, I will raise up your who? Your son. Here goes your child's destiny. I'm going to raise up your descendant after you who will come forth from you. And what, is, what, what, what am I going to do for him, church? What is he going to establish for him? His kingdom. So now what business does Solomon have going to try to be a construction worker? Nothing wrong with construction workers. We have some in this ministry. But what business does Solomon have? Solomon was to have an established kingdom. No, Solomon, you're going to be king just like who? Your dad. Now, y'all, I'm teaching this lesson, and I know it's hard, especially for many of us, because in our domain, we got so far away from this historically that trying to get back to it just seems so, if you will, I mean, just so difficult. Use the easy word. We've gotten so far away from parents raising their child up the right way, grooming their children, being involved in their children's life, you know, going to their children's soccer games and their PTA meetings and their rehearsals, being intricately involved, getting at home and getting a Bible yourself. And stop leaning on the youth leader to teach everything to your child, contracting parenting out. So we got so far away from this because many of us, our biggest chase is the six-figure salary. That's all we want. Or seven-figure. We want to be the next executive. And while you're becoming all of that, your child is growing inches right underneath you. Nothing wrong with the six-figure salary. But what's most important? What's most critical right now? especially in this culture. What a tragedy it will be for Brother Justin to leave who start this great movement and there not be a Justin part two. All of the groundwork that went into it. You know what makes this so awesome? I'm, I'm teaching this lesson today, but God's just feeding me right now. Y'all, when we bought this property, understand it used to be a Christian property. You go back years ago, there was a school out here, a whole school. This actually used to be the gymnasium. But what a, and no offense to, to, the, to those wonderful people. Some of them have called me. I, I love them and thank God for them. They carried the load as long as they can. But what a tragedy for all of that work and groundwork and people's blood, sweat, and tears and monies and efforts going into something for at a certain point in the future, things to go out of business. No, God's stuff doesn't go out of business. It should be passed to your son. So he says, I'm going to Raise up your son from your kingdom. And what is he going to do? Verse 13. He's going to build a house for my name and I will establish his throne. Now, Pastor Gay, what does 13 have to do with any of this? Now, you stay with me. David wanted to build the house. But God said to David, you got too much blood. You got too much other things going on. Furthermore, you're getting too old. You are not going to build the house. Pour into your son. 
Your son is going to be the one, daughters included, that's going to take the baton to the next level. What is God trying to say to us this morning, church? Let's not be so selfish and think that the sum total of our life is all about us, all about our interests, all about how much more we can get for ourselves. No, your son. Your son's going to do some stuff better than you. <laughs> I mean, no harm. My dad would tell you my dad was great. But Gabe, Gabe is greater. Glenn's greater. It's okay. Gabe Jr. will be greater. By the time he starts pastoring, he'll fly to church in a space shuttle or something, you know? Drop down in a parachute. I don't know what he's going to be doing with his innovative mind. No, the glory of the latter house should be greater than the former. Now, right at about this time, I'm at the halfway point. So I've either lost you or gained you. And so I'm just going to keep on with the people that I've gained and the folks who just want... You know, a granola message, I'm sorry that today is not the day for that. I'm just sorry. I feel so bad. I just feel like I should have got up and preached how to prosper one more time. Not to mention we got about 138 tapes back there on how to prosper. I mean, so if you got to hear that today, please buy a tape. But for God's sake, today we're going to talk about how to save your family, how to get your child's purpose on track. How many people in here care about your family, care about your grandchildren, care about those babies you don't even know? I knew I was in the right house. So what vision do you have that is too big for you to complete? What vision do you have that is too big for you to complete? Can you go to Proverbs 22 and 6? <clears throat> then we're going to get in our points. You're going to love it. Proverbs 22 and 6. This is going to bless you. Because we quote this scripture, but I want you to read it with me. Because everybody thinks that the word train in this scripture simply means spank your child, do all that kind of stuff. And the way he should go, then he gets old and he doesn't depart. You know, whip him, do this and that, okay? But I'm getting ready to show you really what God was trying to say in this. And this is going to bless you real good. You'll never read this scripture the wrong way again. Now, the Bible does say, spare the rod, spoil the child. Okay, that, that's where godly, everybody say not abuse. Not abuse. Amen. Godly paddles are appropriate, okay? Because that, that helps my boys stay on track at the appropriate time. And my wife just said amen very loud on that. All right? But I want you to see what God was trying to say actually in Proverbs 22 and 6. He says, let's read it together. Ready? Read. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, what's going to happen? Are you ready for what that passage really means? Train up your child in their purpose. Because when he is old, he will stay on his purpose. Train up the child in the way he should go. When he gets old, he will continue to go that way. 
It's amazing. I passed an eye clinic over in South Charlotte not long ago. I forget the name of it, but I've seen their commercial. And uh, it's like two or three generations of dads and sons that are optometrists. Somebody just said it. Greenspan. Yeah, Dr. Greenspan. Uh Uh-huh. Keisha, how do you know that commercial? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's it. The Greenspan family. And when you look at the commercial, you talk about genetics. All of them look alike. And I passed their practice the other day. I said, man, that's so cool. Dad kept it in the family. Why is son trying to establish some? How come he want to have ABC eye doctor? Just going against the grain. When he could just fall right in line with what's already prospering. But see, most of us in here, your breakthrough. You're the one in your family that's got to foundationally start stuff, put stuff in line. Because the truth is, most of our families have been so far off the path, so far into alcoholism, so far into waywardness, so far into having seven different babies from two different moms and all the. And you don't have to clap your hands, but I'm still going to say it so far into doing it the wrong way. That by the time you hear a message like this, we got to do cleanup. You know, we got a lot of Ishmael's instead of Isaac's. No, there was never supposed to be Ishmael. (laughs) Now, thank God Ishmael's here. We're not going to kill him. Come on. We're not going to treat him mean. Come on. We're going to raise them up in the fear of God. But y'all, how about you make it so that the first woman your son marries is the last. The first man your daughter marries is the last. I knew I was in the right church. No, we got to do some redo. And the only way to make things right is to go back to doing it right. And then even if some folk did it wrong, what you do is you extend grace and you say, yep, love you, this is right. Because I did some stuff wrong. I don't mind telling you, I messed some stuff up. I really have in my life. All right? But just because I messed some stuff up, it don't mean that I get to hang out there with a Band-Aid talking about some, well, I messed it up, so I'm going to be messed up the rest of my life. No, I'm getting ready to get back on track. I'm going to do it God's way. I'm not messing up again. I'm going to love one one. Come on, church. I'm going to love one man. I'm going to do what God said do. Somebody say your child's destiny. Yeah, train up a child in the way he should go. Train up a child in what he should be. All right. You got to expose your children to stuff. We're getting ready to get there in a second. But fathers and moms, but most notably fathers, determine the purpose and plans for their children. And you do it in alignment with the father. Mom and dad, that means, and dear, we do this, but we'll need to do more. That means you're going to have to be praying. God, what is Christian supposed to be? What, what, what's his path? What are you saying even at the tender age of three for him? Especially because he was a miracle child. The devil didn't want him here, didn't want him speaking, all kinds of attacks on his little body. So God, 
I know he's got a dynamic purpose. What, what do you want him to be? We'll get to our points in just a second. It was the greatest dad who ever lived that gave us the pattern for fathers determining the plans for their sons. You ready? Let's look at the greatest dad who ever lived. Let's, <laughs> let's go to John 3.16. I know you know it by heart, but let, let's go there. Because, see, we read these scriptures and we say, yeah, 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 God, three, yeah, for God's the love of the world. Amen. But let's just go there because, see, you got to read verse 17. Yeah, you got to go a little bit further so you can see the pattern of how the greatest dad who ever lived, speaking of DNA, put his DNA in his son. He created the world and he sends his son to do something with the world. Let's see if we can't figure that out today. Greatest dad who ever lived gave us the pattern. John 3.16. You got it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only, only begotten son that whosoever shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now, Jesus, what is your purpose? Verse 17. For God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. What was his purpose? God, I'm glad to be with y'all today. Y'all on fire. For one reason was Jesus sent to save the world. Now, saving the world encompassed a lot of things. It encompassed saving people like Gabe Rogers. It encompassed saving the drug dealer. Come on. It encompassed saving the homosexual. Thank God that a homosexual can be saved and then be a heterosexual. I praise God for that. I didn't want to leave anything out on that because I know some folk who are pro-homosexual would say, I know that's right. We can be Christians too. No, you get born again, amen. Then you lay down that dead man and you come on the Lord's side. Yeah, he, he or she can be a born again heterosexual. Bless his name. But he came to save some babies who would have ever otherwise gotten killed. Come on, somebody. He came to save some marriages. For this reason was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Did you know that divorce is a work of the devil? I know I'm preaching good today. So he came to save the world. Let me see if I can get this thing back up. He came to deliver the world. That was his sole purpose. That's enough to prove my point, but go to Galatians 4, please. Chapter 4, verse 4 through 5. And let's just go through Scripture. Because, see, somebody will leave here today, you'll be on fire. You'll leave here today, your kids will keep on growing in the fear of the Lord. I mean, which, which one would you prefer? And I say this with much grace, because I have members who have to go through this that I counsel with. So I say this in love, but I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, because we're still talking about what's right, though. Because what's right is I prefer to go to my child's Harvard graduation than to go to their court case. Now, that's my preference. <laughs> I'm not going to say I wouldn't go if they had a court case. But what I said I prefer to do, I prefer to put on a blue suit and go to Massachusetts and watch them come out of Harvard and get a full ride to Yale. That's what I prefer to do. In fact, prophetically, that's what I'm going to do. Amen. That's, that's what's going to happen to me. So in order for you to be able to do that, though, some work's got to go in in the front end. That's right. right now. 
We got to know we got to do the work right now. Not later, right now. This is why we have Youth Sunday. This is why we have Youth Breakouts. This is why we have Youth, Youth, Youth. Because you got to do the work right now. Why was Jesus made manifest? Galatians 4, 4 through 5. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his... Who did God send forth, church? What was he made of? A woman. Under the law, which means born into this world. But why, again, was he born, God? To redeem us, them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. I'm getting ready to give you four points, but I wanted to make very clear that it is up to parents, it is up to a dad to determine, with the help of God, of course, after consulting God, the purpose and destiny of your child and lead them in that path. Jesus was born just to redeem men. That's why he was here. I'm going to throw you a curveball. You're going to love it. Jesus worked as a carpenter, but that's not what he was born to do. So young people, some of y'all going to get some odd jobs at Chick-fil-A. And that's good. But that's probably not your purpose. That's what you do to bring in a little extra cash and play for your college books or go, go get some EA sport games or whatever y'all like doing these days. But that is not, that is not your ultimate purpose. Right. And parents, you got to continue to monitor that. This is why when they graduate high school or they're on their way to graduation, no, you got to be having conversations with them. That's right. When they start saying, I think I'm just going to work, that's not a good answer. You're going to work at what? Let's go further. I don't think I'm ready for college yet. That's fine. What are you ready for? Because you got to be ready for something. Because I ain't ready for you to stay here and sleep while I get up and go to work every day. I'm just not ready for that. I'm not ready for that. Me, I'm not ready for it. I might be one day, but as long as you are sitting clothed and in your right mind. Now I'm ready for you to do something with yourself. And something great. Like Donald Trump, go do something great. I love his answers to most questions. What are we going to do with this? Something great. What are you going to be, young people? Something great. Just go be something great, whatever that is. We're going to replace this health care with something great. <laughs> Praise God. I have no opinion. Don't try to get it out of me. I have none. I'm talking about your children today. Yeah. No opinion. So his purpose was to redeem us, y'all. So I want to give you four points. You still with me? Yeah. Amen. Four points on how to move your child into God's plan. Then we're going to go home, okay? Then we're going to go for them. Four points on how to move your child into God's plans. Now, I've given you all the scriptures, so meditate those later. Study them. I'm a teacher, preacher. I really love getting in the, in the crevices with people and giving folks how to. I know this works. I know it works. What I'm about to share with you, I know it works. All four. We've been saying, number one, all message, but let's go ahead and put it down as a point. How to move your child into God's plan. Number one, you have to consult God on your child's purpose. The book of James, and we're not turning there, but James says, if you lack wisdom, ask it of God. 
and he will give it to you. So you have to spend some time in prayer, maybe sometimes even in fasting. And you got to say, now, Father, give me clarity on why Lauren was put here. Give me clarity, God, on why uh, little Stephen was put here. Why is he here? He's got the right name. <laughs> you know, which, by the way, we'll talk about that one Sunday. Name your child right. That's right. Name your child right. You're speaking into their destiny. I'll give you scripture to back it up. My, uh, Jabez's mom called him Jabez. She named him Pain. But he had to reverse that curse and say, Lord, enlarge my territory. He reversed it. Then practically speaking, there you go giving your child a name that when their resume go before a manager, they already know they ain't going to call them. I got 18 people real mad right there. I did. I know I did. I know I did. Amen. And because I got wisdom, I'm not going to give you an example of one of those names. Because somebody will slam that door and say, I ain't ever coming back to that church again. So I'm going to use some wisdom and I'm going to stop right there. But y'all know what kind of names I'm talking about. You done went to the 15th tribal uh, whatever and grabbed the name straight out of just what you could put together. Can't nobody pronounce it. They read it and it sounds like something that is a disease or a rash. Sound like a condition. Told you I'm not giving you an example. Then they put their resume in for something and they, never mind. I, just, I don't care what degrees they got. Just never mind. Don't we got 50 other people that apply for this? Call one of them. Amen. I don't want you to be mad at me. See, I'm, 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 I'm growing in this thing. I'm, I'm going to stop making people mad for no reason. You know, I want to make people mad for the right reason. So I'm not going to give you no example. All right. Now look at your neighbor, and they better be smiling, but tell him, now don't be mad at the pastor. Now this, he's right. Just tell him that. So no, he, he is right. He, that's accurate. That's accurate. And don't go down and change their name tomorrow. It's too late. Just, amen. Too late for that. Amen. All right, let's get into these points, okay? And we got to go within the next 15 minutes or so. Um, so I'm going to rush through this, all right? But number one, consult God on your child's plan. Pray. Pray. Don't downplay prayer. God, what are you saying? You know, Lord, I want to see Gabe be so successful. Gabe Jr., God, he's talented. I, I watch him at homework time. He will pick up extra homework. Seriously. So, God, what's up? While he on fire like this, I need to fan the flame. Help me to figure out what he loves. On Christmas, you can give him something out of the arts and crafts store. He don't need every other electronic. 
And ain't nothing wrong with electronics. But give him, you know, something out the store, five bucks, where he can put it together. Loves it. So am I dealing with an engineer? Lord, what am I dealing with? What's your plan for him? Pray. But that leads to number two. You have to coach your child to their strengths. Coach them to what they do. Y'all, I'm not bragging in this, but I've been a public speaker, ask my brother, all my life from a child. When we grew up in Connecticut, I was was the the speaker for the citywide Martin Luther King rally. And I couldn't even see over the podium. They had to put my mic on the side. And when I told you, tore it up, yeah, eight, nine years old. Come on. So my parents said, no, nah, it's something different about him. Glenn and them, they were sinners. They, they didn't want to. <laughs> but I would sit on the front row. I wanted to sit where the deacon sat. Them guys being a bag, popping gum and all that. I ain't want to be on fire for the Lord. The day I got born again, I got saved at 11. I went back there because I wanted him to have what I had. I said, man, come on up. He said, man, you go. Don't leave me alone. And my other brother said the same thing. If you don't put up there. Drawing attention. Leave me alone. I got three older brothers. None of them wanted to be born again. But I ran up there and I ran around that church. Man, I was on fire for God. In fact, I came out saved. That's not true. It's not. But I always had a liking. He will tell you, on Sunday morning, when the organist would come in, I'd be playing the organ on the back of the seat. While they were playing, I didn't know how to play anything. I was a little boy, but would I not, Glenn? I'd be playing the organ on the back of the seat. And and finally, my mom said, we got to get him in piano lessons. Because there's something about that piano he loves. Oh, boy. That's how I became a pianist. That's how, that's how I got into it. Right? So you got to coach your children. Now, I was teasing him, but Glenn was a supreme athlete. Oh, he was good. Amen. We were all captains of the football team during our year. But the thing that made me so good, so to speak, is by the time I got there, they said, that's Greg and Glenn's brother. Yeah, so he, I know he can hit. And when I tell you they put me out there on the kickoff team and I got my block knocked off, sure did, riding the wings of them. But I got better. And my brother was an All-State, older brother, he's an All-State football player. Lynn was All-State. I was All-Conference. <laughs> I didn't get the state. I was good, though, but I was all conference, number one in the conference, right? That wasn't my primary thing, but I was a leader at it. I was a starter. all the kind. So you got to play your kids to what they're good at. And when you get them involved in that kind of stuff, how about they don't have time to learn how to sell drugs? They they don't have time to learn street language. They, They don't have time. They're not interested. They start, when your child starts wanting to be great at positive things, you're on the right track. 
Push them in that direction, baby. They're going to be something great. Somebody say, I got to coach my child. <clears throat> I got to coach my child. What is my child good at? My sweet daughter. She's a little more quiet. Well, I got to co coach her in the stuff she is great at. She's got some great skill sets. Got to coach her in that space. Amen. Let's keep going into this thing. I only got two more points. You still with me? Yes. Number three. This is two and one. Penalize bad genetics and reward good ones. Penalize bad genetics and reward good ones. All right. That's just a code. And I'll say it to you this way. That's a code way of saying, if your child is lazy, stop giving them treats at McDonald's and new iPhones. You are reinforcing the idea that they can have life on their terms. And when they hit the tender age of 23 and no one else is handing out stuff, they're going to be somewhere burping with a hoodie on, playing Nintendo, not becoming anything with themselves because you gave them stuff despite what they would not do. Some things, people of God, have to be earned. In my field of counseling, we call it positive and negative reinforcements. No, you got to reinforce the, the stuff with positive reinforcement. So like today, I saw my kids do a good job. I'm so proud of them. So today we are going to get some ice cream. There's a reinforcement for singing on those microphones and doing so well. And you should do that with your kid as well, right? But how about those times when I get to church and my kids get in the back hall and run like they don't got no sense? See, I'm letting you in my house now. Boy, we get in that minivan. Woo-woo! And Sister Rogers and Brother Gabe, oh, we just trade back and forth. She tells them off, then I say, and another thing, if I ever find out that one of the armor bearers told you to stop, and you did not stop. I'm going to get you right there. And she's, I know that's right. And let me tell you something. You better make up in your mind. Then somebody got nerve to say, well, can we go to Zaxby's tonight? And we say, I will Zax your B. You better get in that house right now before I Zaxby you. You ask about no toast tonight. Don't need no toast. Need to toast your behind. How many people got parents that can make a rap out of giving you a spanking? They, they had a rap song. Ah, toast your tail right up them steps. You ask me about no Zaxby's. Amen. Well, you, you, you know, and we don't, we don't usually have to spank them, but you penalize. The penalty is, is there's no treat after acting like that. Y'all act like y'all didn't have no home training. And we going to get something? You better hurry up upstairs before I change my mind. And get madder, if that were a word. Positive and negative reinforcements. Do the same thing with your teenagers. Let them work for some stuff. Even if you can't afford the car, do what our dad did to me. My dad said, I tell you what, you saved half, 
I'll plug in on the other half. You know what he was teaching me? Work ethic. And I'm telling you right now, working 70 hours a week ain't nothing to me. <laughs> I flew in last night from Indiana. What time I get home there? 6.30, 7 o'clock. Had been down there a day or two. Worked the whole week at the practice, at the church, real estate, had a few closings this week. All like, man, please, working? Do my discipleship stuff, meet with people? That's just work. But that had everything to do with what old Neil Rogers put in me. No, Deacon Rogers made you work. We used to have to chop wood, even though we had a heating system in the house. <laughs> Amen. No, we got a thermostat. Turn that off. This is horrible. No, we're going to chop wood. It's more efficient. And then one of us would say something smart. Don't both of y'all got jobs? You're in trouble. You're in big trouble. Amen. But yeah, we had to chop wood, bring wood in. I remember one time there was a hornet's nest behind the barn. I grew up around pigs and stuff. This is true, true story. My dad take me feed pigs every morning. And, you know, one day I'm going to peek about the prodigal son because I, I was kind of that son at the age of five because uh, they would get danishes from the bread store that were day old and they'd give them to my dad. And them danishes look good. And he'd use them to feed the pig, but when he would walk outside, <laughs> okay, yeah, Dad, great. Yep, I'm. S no, we, yeah, that's a true story. But man, one day he, we was out there supposed to be picking up wood and stuff like that. Me and my four brothers, and there was a hornet's nest, and my. My dad said, y'all go back there and stack wood. And Glenn said, no, it's, you know, Dad, I don't know if you know it. It's a bee's nest back there. <laughs> and he tried to be respectful. He said, it's a bee's nest. He said, he said all right, as long as you don't mess with them, they won't bother you. <laughs> now, my dad had a limited understanding about the psyche of a bee. Because if they see you doing your arm, it's not that you're trying to hit them, but they feel the wind and they think you might be trying to hit them. So we didn't want to be swinging axe and stuff with a bee's nest. He said, no, just don't bother them. They won't bother you. I said, no, but I didn't say anything. But Glenn said it again. He said, no, it's a bee's nest there. I don't think we need to go out there. He said, boy, I told you to get back out there and chop that wood, and I'm not going to tell you again. And then Glenn, I don't know where he got this from, but he mustered up the courage. He said, well, just beat me then. <laughs> he said, I'm not going back there. You just go ahead and beat me right now. I said, boy, you crazy. You are crazy, man. I am chopping some wood. Whoa. Yeah. That was crazy. And I don't know what happened next, because I was in the back chopping wood. <coughs> Amen. All of that came from point number three. Penalize the bad genetics. Reward the good ones. But I like number four when we're going home. I like number four when we're going home. You have to protect your child from negative change agents. We're going home after this.
Protect your child from negative change agents. And I don't mean to use big phrases. I'm going to break this down. I don't like talking over people's head. Negative change agents are anything, people, places that will have an impact on how they are formed. Anything, people, places that will have an impact on how they are formed. Negative change agents. I thank God that we got some of everybody in this church and my guys in here who got born again from the gang life and all that kind of stuff. They have told me and they would tell you if they were on the mic. Some of them are sitting in here right now that it was the affirmation that they got from the street man that caused them to choose that lifestyle. So see, protecting them from negative change agents is not always laying hands on them. It is patting them on the back, building them up. That's why when those kids were singing and, and that young fella, Tyson Jr. over there, my God, you guys got to be proud. And he gave those Deuteronomy verses and he came out like a preacher with his hand in his pocket. Amen. You know what we just did for him? Affirmed his path in Christianity. No, he's going to want to be a Christian. Because every time I go down there to that church and I memorize 14 verses, they build me up. So you know what you make him do tonight? Go and find Deuteronomy 29 and see if he can memorize that one too. So he can get up again. You're protecting him. From negative change agents. We're talking about family systems and genetics real quick. Your relatives that are not believers. That don't want to be. That want to lie, steal, shack. In the light. When your child say, can I ride with Aunt Barbara? No. Now that's, that's good right there. Well, we just going to the graduation. Yeah, we going to. And you're going to go with us. And when the world says stuff to you like, well, you can't protect them from everything, your response should be, I'm just going to try. I don't, I don't know what it's going to look like. Because when they get older, they can make a different decision. Let me put that in there. We're not trying to be overly rigid. No. They can get older. They are a free moral agent. This is, will be grace for some of you in here who you're trying to get your child back in the church now and they're, they're 20 or whatever. No, they can go in a different direction. They may do that for a season, but I tell you what, what you put in them, it will always convict them. They'll always be able to go, but so far, so far, good friend of mine, Pastor Robin Gould, taught a message called parents think ahead no you ought to think ahead right. you're grooming somebody's wife her husband lives right now somewhere yeah. think, ahead. think ahead all right you got to be ahead you got to protect them from negative change agents I'm summing this message up how do you protect them you make decisions if you're writing that are countercultural. Countercultural decisions. I've said it and I'll say it again. I realize everybody doesn't agree with this. I understand why you would not agree with it, and it's your call. You are the final say, but I'm still going to be a good pastor. I don't recommend sleepovers. That's right. That's right. 
I don't. I'm going to tell you why. And please hear me. Because relationships, we have friends, but relationships with friends can become politically correct. Where we don't call each other on stuff we kind of see, but it's in their house. And watch this. When you drop off 10-year-old Barbara and 11-year-old Johnny to sleep over with 10 other kids who come from 10 other different environments, some of whom have a cell phone at the age of 10, some of whom have been exposed to certain things at the age of 10. But I got a curveball. You don't know if Uncle Johnny is coming over at 10 at night. You can't control that. Man, when I lay down to sleep at night, I can control what these four do because they are in my house. I have total say. Total. 100%. And the risk of something happening when I'm not watching is too great. So for that reason, they can go to the birthday party. But when it's time to shut down, y'all going to sleep anyway, right? I mean, what we need to sleep? I mean, people are just going to sleep, right? So won't you sleep where you're comfortable? I, we got a nice bed at home. Because all y'all getting ready to do is, the issue is, they don't. One, two in the morning. Some of us, if we be honest, that's one of the things that almost got us hooked on stuff. Watching HBO at two in the morning where people take all their clothes off. Parents not monitoring stuff. Parents having no idea. Many of us in this room, we be honest. Yup, when we were teenagers in high school and all that kind of stuff, you don't, you don't sit there and act like you didn't. You had girlfriends and boyfriends, and depending on the structure of your house, mom and dad say, so, all right, we're going to head on to bed. Yes! That's what I've been waiting for. In a basement to yourself. Or these days, a laptop computer. That, by the way, protecting them from negative impacts should really be in the living room where people pass by and can look over your shoulder. Y'all, I know some of this is, sounds so rigid, but please understand, the only reason why I sound so staunch is because we've gotten so far away. Is that right, Justin? We've gotten so far away from just healthy stuff. Just healthy. You can groom in a wicked culture a daughter, a son, that has right affection. In this culture, I'm going to say something with no conflict of interest because I know this is a good church. Take your family to a good church where there's integrity, where they can do like the things we offer. Get in small groups for their, with other peers and other folks who talk in the same language. These folks, they do PowerPoints and they show them the culture out there and then they show them the Bible's way. And It's not too rigid because after all, they still can go swimming. How many of you know, because we got born again, don't mean we stop having fun? 
our dad one day, we, we asked him, hey, dad, <coughs> our neighbor up the street's name was Sebi. Can we go to Sebi's house and, and go swimming? He said, no, it's too hot for that. <laughs> too hot for that. You guys just come on in and relax now. It's too hot. <laughs> that was too much. And I tease him about that stuff today, and he cracks up. I said, Dad, that was too much. Yeah, well, at least you know I love one wife. He'll give me a moment of truth at the end. You know? But you don't, you don't, you don't have to be rigid on stuff that, that don't matter, you know? Some people are rigid on things that don't matter, you know? But the stuff that does matter, how about turn it up? Like, don't leave your kid in front of Disney Junior all day long. All kinds of innuendos. You have no idea, speaking of psychological formation, you have no idea the messages behind the messages. The picture frames. Y'all, they did some studies on some of this stuff, and they can show some of the stuff you can YouTube. I don't know about with Disney, but with certain of these cartoons, you can YouTube where they have certain sexually explicit motions going on in the backdrop of a cartoon indoctrinating your child. And you don't even know it. I endorse Veggie Tales for our little ones. And then when they become teenagers, you got to talk to them more. You got to spend time with them. It, it, it blessed my heart. Maury, will you stand up for a second? Just stand up for a second. You know, this guy's on fire, you know? I came to church today, and this was, it was just a moment for me. He, he came up to me, hey, Pastor Gay. And then he took his right hand, and he slapped my right hand. And in it was a piece of thin paper. And so I drew my hand back, and that brother had sold some money. Right? Amen. You, you got my wallet on you? You do? Um, so i tell you what I'm going to do for you. Um, and don't laugh at my wallet either. It's just like my dad's. I'm, I'm a, yeah, that's genetics. You know, you, you sow good seed, but I'm going to give you a return right now. You, yeah, I'm... I'm going to give you a return. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to give you a return. Yeah. Um, Amen. <laughs> what? Not the, but, but, and good for him. He's $100 richer. But here, here, here's, here, here's my point. But where did he learn sowing and reaping? No, he learned that in church. He, he came to church. His parents keep him in. Are you seeing what I'm trying to convey? They are not just going to get it. We're done. Two minutes via osmosis. You got to put the work in. And you can rearrange in a godly way your child's destiny. Now, how many of you know this was not a waste of a Sunday? Amen. <laughs> I don't feel that way at all. Not at all. I'm closing now, but I want to do something. Some of you have wayward kids. Some of you 